Good morning, men, and thank you for enjoying this time together and joining us for the Everyman live stream. And we appreciate you being here and um, being part of the Everyman movement. My name's Jason Park, and I get the good fortune of spending tons of great time with Pastor Kenny Luck. And when he's not around, I get to spend time with you. Uh, and I really appreciate the opportunity, and I'm excited to be here. If you have your Bibles handy, would you go ahead and turn to Psalm 121, where we are going to spend uh, the next little bit together. To give you a little picture of uh, this part of the Bible, Psalm 121 is the second of 15 chapters referred to as the Psalm of Ascent. These are songs that were sung by the people, the children of Israel, as they would make their journey um, to the holy city from wherever that they lived. Um, and they would sing these songs as they would make the journey multiple times a year, usually during important festivals. And this was a very difficult journey. Uh, the elevation uh, of the city of Jerusalem was, was considerably higher than other portions of the country. In some cases, there are portions of the country that were actually below sea level. So this was a journey for them. Uh, this was, in, in some cases, a very, very difficult journey. So that's a little bit of the context of this passage. So if you would, refer to Psalm 121, and we will read the entire chapter. It reads, I lift my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from. My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade in your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life the Lord will watch over your coming and your going both now and forevermore. Would you join me in a quick word of prayer? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for the reminder of this passage, the assurance that you are a maker in heaven, that you will not let our foot slip, Lord, that you watch over us and you, you will not slumber, that you watch us in our coming and our going. We thank you for this time and we pray for those that are listening right now that we can not be distracted by the surroundings of the world, that we would be focused in on what you have to share with us today. We thank you. We love you. Amen. So the writer of this psalm is preparing for a journey. That's the state of mind that he's putting himself in. He's, he's getting ready to be on a journey. As I stated, this is the second of 15 chapters in the Psalms of Ascent. In chapter 120, it's a little bit of a different focus. The writer of that chapter is, is very much focused on his circumstances. He's focused on his situation, and the theme of that chapter is one of somewhat complaining about his circumstances. There's a shift in Psalm 121 that he shifts from his circumstances, and he literally shifts his perspective as he looks up at this mountain, and his, his perspective changes, his focus changes from where he's at in the circumstances that he at to very much to the creator of those circumstances. This is a psalm of, of confidence rather than complaint. It's, it's 
comfort. It's a psalm of assurance. It's assurance about this journey. The person that's making this journey is, is getting their head right for the journey, right? It's, it's causing themselves to have the, to, the right focus, to be focused on the right things. You might be on a journey in your life right now. Um, you, you, you might be in the middle of that journey. You might be at the beginning of that journey. And, and that's who we're, we are as men. We are either on a journey, a difficult journey, or we will be at least one day. And this is a great passage for us to come to as we're beginning to start that journey and beyond that journey and constantly be reminded of that assurance. So we are focused on the right thing. So if you don't have the handout, you can access it via the Everyman Facebook page or the Everyman website. Um, and I would encourage you to do that so you can take notes and you can take those with you and refer to them later on. But the first fill-in that I have here with regards to focus, when we're focused on the right things, focus results in faith or fear. Focus results in faith or fear. As I stated that this chapter is very much a, a psalm of assurance. It's assurance as this person gets ready to start this journey. The definition of faith as prescribed by Hebrews 11.1 1 is faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not yet seen. Faith is assurance, right? When we have assurance of things hoped for and we have evidence of things not yet seen, that's us having faith. That's us being focused on the right things. When we're not focused on the right things, we don't have assurance of things hoped for. We don't have evidence of things not yet seen. And what does that result in? That results in us having fear, right? In this particular case, he is assured. He's staring up at this mountain but he is assured that he serves the creator of that mountain. He's not focused on his circumstance. He's focused on that circumstance having a, 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 an important component in his life. It's part of his life. It's part of his journey. And there's various parts of the Bible that remind us of how we are to, to focus on things so that we are, we are focused on the right things. Hebrews 12, 1 to 2 reads, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes upon Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. The writer of Hebrews is reminding us is what are we to be focused on in the race? What are we to be focused on amidst that journey? We're to fix our eyes upon Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. That's where we have our focus. That's where we find our assurance. That's where we find our faith, our faith that we are going to accomplish the mission. This chapter is at the beginning of this journey. This, this person is at the beginning of the journey, but they have a visual on the end of the journey. They have a visual of what the end of this, this journey looks like. They, they can see that they are already going to be successful on this journey. Paul does something very similar as he reminds us in Philippians 3, 14 to, um, 3 13 to 14, 
It says, brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Paul, amidst his challenge, amidst the circumstance, sees the finish line. He sees what it looks like when this race is going to come to an end, and that's what he is focused on. He can conquer the circumstances that he's in. He can conquer the, the challenge that he's in amidst that because he's focused on the finish. I uh, have participated in various uh, difficult challenge, different physical events, difficult long-term racism. I'm fascinated by people that can set out to do things that are, that are very, very difficult. Races and physical challenges that will take an entire day or, or multiple days. And the one thing that these folks have in common is their ability to visualize the finish. Even at the beginning, of a difficult challenge, much, much like the writer of Psalm 121. He's at the beginning of the challenge, but he has assurance because he can visualize the finish. He can visualize what that looks like. And Paul here has a, a visual of the finish. He has a visual of what it looks like on this journey. Now we are all on a journey. There's one thing that I can guarantee that us as men fall in one of two categories. We are either on a mountain and we know that we're on a mountain, we know that we're faced with a challenge or we will be one day. I suppose there's maybe a third category for some of us that are on a difficult journey, that are on a difficult challenge and, and we don't quite know it. We don't quite understand why so much energy is being consumed as we are on this journey. I, I hope that this passage, just like the writer of this passage found assurance and his God found assurance in the protection of his Lord and Savior that we would do the same as we are either on a journey or beginning to be on that journey that we, like him, would find assurance. So we would find a place of assurance. And that assurance would give us the confidence, would give us the comfort that we're going to complete the journey, that we have that finish line in mind, much like the endurance athlete can do. They can visualize what it's like to go through that finish. We, as we travel through life as men of God, we should hear the ringing of those words when we pass through that finish line one day and we hear our Lord and Savior say to us, well done, good and faithful servant. And that assurance of, of us completing the journey, that gives us energy along the journey. So some things to be assured of that I've gleaned from this passage I want to share with you. The first is the assurance of the size of God compared to the size of the mountain. The size of God compared to the size of the mountain. The passage, verses 1 and 2, reads, I lift my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Remember, he's getting ready to start this journey. Verse 120, he's staring down at his circumstances. Verse 21, he shifts his focus. He looks up to the mountain, but he sees beyond his circumstance. He says, as I stare up at this mountain, as I stare up at this journey, where does my help come from? Where does my energy come from? Where does my peace come from? As I serve a God who created 
this circumstance. I created a God who created this mountain. And when you can see beyond your circumstance and you could see that this is a created thing and was created by the creator, it puts it into a little bit of perspective. The problem gets smaller as our vision of God gets bigger. You see, this idea of assuring ourselves and being assured of the size of God compared to the size of the mountain is really appreciating and understand our place in our relationship with God. Pastor Kenny reminds us on a regular basis that we sit in the B position. God sits in the A position. When we can rest in the assurance of the size of God compared to the size of mountain, we do two things. One, we realize who God is and we allow him to be who he is in our lives. We can let him be who he is, see him who, he, who he's supposed to be, and then be the person that we're supposed to be. Allow him to be the creator and for us to be the creative. And when we accept God for who he is and accept him for what he does, we can do what we're supposed to do, and that's to, to walk in faith on this journey in obedience. And when we do that, nothing is going to keep us from accomplishing our journey. When we let him be the, the, the God that he's supposed to be and we accept our position as the created, we accept him as, as the potter and us as the clay currently being shaped, nothing is going to, to keep us from being successful on our journey. Now, it doesn't mean it's going to be easy. It's, it's going to be difficult. There are many examples of journeys in the Bible that were difficult. When, when the children of Israel were, were, were sent to the promised land, God never said it, there was, it was going to be easy. When, when they sent the 12 scouts to survey the area and they came back and they gave that report of there being giants, God never promised that there wasn't going to be giants. He promised them that they would make it there. In, in, in that particular story in Numbers, all they saw was the circumstances. They didn't see the God that was in charge of those circumstances. Psalm 125.2 reads, As the mountains surround Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds his people both now and forevermore. You know, as this writer of the psalm, he stares up at the journey, he's reminded that there's a God that surrounds this journey. There's, there's a God that surrounds this, this, these mountains, these, these challenges in our life, and there's assurance in being reminded of the size of God. Next, there's the assurance of stability versus unpredictability. The assurance of stability versus unpredictability. Verses 3 and 4 says, He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither sleep nor slumber. There's this, there's this reminder that on this journey, on this uneven ground, on these steps that you're taking as you're climbing this mountain, that he's not going to let your foot slip. He's going to keep your foot on stable ground. Psalm 1, I'm sorry, Psalm 40, 1 to 2 says, He lifted me out of the ditch, pulled me from the deep mud. He stood me up on a solid rock to make sure I wouldn't slip. There's nothing more uncomfortable and awkward than being on ground that is slippery. 
And I don't know if it's just me. Um, you can't tell from the camera, I'm six and a half feet tall. I have a 36 inch inseam and when I fall, it's a bad situation. And I'm over 50 now, so when I fall, gone are the days that I just get up and walk away. It's when I go down, I practically need some type of airship. And just recently I was, I was walking and I was on a hike and we had to cross over this very slick area of rock. And water was pouring across it just enough to create enough of a, of a green moss over the top of it. It was like a God created hockey rink and slip and slide. And it was, it was long, right? It was, it was about this long. Okay, so not very long, it felt like forever to me. And when I walked across this thing, every muscle in my body was engaged. Energy was being consumed as I walked across this slippery part of ground. When we are on slippery ground, energy is consumed. Our, our focus is taken away. And just like when I walked across that slippery ground and finally I stepped in something, that was stable and firm that I could relax. This passage is reminding us that our foot is not going to slip, that God is gonna keep our feet firmly planted. He's not gonna allow energy be, to be consumed beyond anything that is necessary. And that, that assurance comes to us in this passage as we're getting ready to make that journey. There's also this assurance that he's, he's going to be present, that he's not going to sleep, he's not going to slumber. Sometimes I think we think that God has stepped away in our lives, that God has gone off to do something that has maybe gotten more of his attention, that he's not paying attention to us. This passage reminds us that he is always with us, that our foot is not going to sleep and he's always going to be there. He's always going to be paying attention to our life. So there's assurance in the size of God and there's assurance in the stability of God. Next. There's assurance in the shelter of God compared to the exposure from the elements. The shelter of God compared to the exposure of the elements. Verse 5 and 6 reads, The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day, nor the moon by night. Now, the pilgrim that is being described in this passage, this making this journey, this is many, many years ago, long before the advent of, of motor vehicles or electric vehicles, most of these people are, are making this journey on foot. This journey is going to take a long time, and they are going to be exposed to the elements. And dependent upon the day, those elements are going to create pressures. They're going to create obstacles in their life. It could be just the direct sunlight. It could be the, the significant heat at night. There could be, there'd be cold nights and then also just the challenges that come from the dark. The elements of this world, the elements of the journey that we are on are exactly that. They are obstacles. They, they, are, they are pressures in our life. They, they steal and consume energy from us. This passage is saying is, is God is a shade from those. God is going to protect us from those elements. He's not going to allow the sun to consume all of our energy. He's not going to allow the challenges associated with the dark and with the cold to harm us. That those elements are to be expected, but he's going to protect us from those elements. That he offers up 
the, the shade, this protection to us. Psalm, I'm sorry, Proverb 18.10 says, The name of the Lord is a fortified tower. The righteous run into it and are safe. We have this assurance that as we make the journey, as we are faced with the various elements that will create obstacles, that will create pressures in our life, that will cause us to have to consume extra energy in making that, He's going to protect us. He's going to be a shelter from that. And as that passage reads, the name of the Lord is a strong tower, and the righteous run into it, and we are safe. And this passage reminds us and assures of us as we're making this journey that that is the case. So we have the assurance of that shelter. And next, we have assurance of security from our enemies. Security from our enemies. Now, our enemy is anyone or anything that could potentially harm us or weaken us as we're making this journey. Anyone or anything. Now, even as I read that, I think of anyone, I walked by the mirror and I looked potentially at the person that has the capability of keeping me from doing the things I need to be. In some cases, I can be my own worst enemy. You've heard that phrase before. But we are protected from anyone or anything that's going to, to keep us from being harmed. Because as the writer of Psalm 121, as he's getting ready to make this journey, he's reminded there's going to be challenges. There's going to be obstacles that come up along the way that if we are not careful, are going to cause us to question our ability to be successful on our journey. And we are being reminded in this passage that we are going to be protected from anything that is an enemy, anything that's keeping us from getting there. Verses 7 and 8 says, The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and your going, both now and forevermore. He will watch over your coming and your going now and forevermore. What, what should you think about when you think about that coming, that going? He's, he's going he's to watch you when you leave in the morning. He's going to watch you when you return. He's going to watch you throughout the day. He's going to watch us in all the things that we do as we're on this journey. He's going to be with us now, and He's going to be with us forever. As I stated before, I think sometimes when we get so focused on our circumstance and we forget to look beyond the circumstance, we forget the presence of our Lord and Savior. We forget the power that God brings to us and the, and the protection and the shelter that He brings to us. But this verse 7 and 8 and this whole passage reminds us of the security that we have from our enemies, the security we have from the Creator against everything that's been created. Isaiah 54, 17 reads, No weapon forged against you will prevail, and you will refute every tongue that accuses you. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and this is their vindication from me, declares the Lord. He assures us that we will keep us secure from all of our enemies. And we face many enemies. There are many things out there, many, many forces, many dark forces that don't want us to make this journey, that want us to question the presence of God, that want us to be over 
consumed by the circumstances, want to, want to see the obstacles as being things that, that are going to keep us from, from finishing the race, that are causing us to focus on our circumstance, but not focus on the finish. And we're reminded here that we'll be protected while we are on this journey. Now, on this journey, there are certain things that are necessary that, that we have and certain things that are necessary that we, were, we, we do. If I told you I was going to pick you up on Saturday and we were going to go for a hike and we were going to hike all day long, if you didn't have any experience of doing that, you would probably put together a plan for what you would do or how you would prepare and more importantly, what you, the gear that you would have, the things that you would do that would help you to be successful on that climb. And this is just a little practical application. One, remember who you are. You're either on a climb or you're going to be on a climb. And there are certain components of that climb that are necessary. And as we prepare for this climb, there's certain things that we should have. And this first fill in here is referring to my gear, right? My gear. I, I, I love to watch uh, people that climb, rock climbing specifically. I already mentioned how big I am, 6'6", 235 pounds. I am not a climber. I wasn't designed to be a climber, but I'm fascinated to watch people climb. And their gear is so important to them, right? Their gear is so important to them. So this is Ephesians 13 through 6, 13 through 17. And it's referring to our gear, our gear as men of God. It reads, therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows from the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Now, that's our gear as men of God. That's the gear that we should be wearing, the gear that we should be putting on every day. And when I give you that illustration of a climber, the thing that I'm fascinated as we've watched those videos of somebody scaling up the side of the mountain is the gear that the climber has. There is this, there's this comfort level in the climber's gear. First of all, he knows exactly where it's at on his body. He or she knows exactly where it's at. And in the moment when it seems like it's a very complicated, very challenging moment, there's, there's this calmness about them as they're reaching to what they need, whether they need to do something to fasten themselves to this part of the mountain that they're on or, or, or whatever they might, might need to do to, to shift their space where they're at. There's this, there's this calmness in the accessibility. There's this calmness that everything is within reach. But there's this familiar, familiarity with everything in reach, right? They've, they've trained with this. And there's a comfort level because they've done exactly that. They have the equipment that it is, it is accessible and they train with it. And our equipment is the same way. There are certain components to our gear that are defensive components. And then there's one, the sword of the spirit, is our offensive component. But they are closely connected, the offensive component and the defensive component, because when you think of the belt of truth and the breastplate of righteousness and the shield of faith and the gospel of peace, 
peace and all those things, those come largely from the sword of the Spirit. It's like the old saying, the best type of defense is a great offense. Well, when we have a great offense and we have that sword of the Spirit that's accessible, that's close to us, that we train with, that we're comfortable with, we will have a great defense. So on this journey, we got to have the right gear. It needs to be accessible and we need to train with it on a regular basis. Next, in addition to my gear, your feeling is my guy, right? In addition to my gear, we were never intended to make this journey alone. Sadly, us as men, we feel like we can make it alone. We learned many lessons and there's many heroes in time that made journeys alone. We were not designed to be alone. When we are alone, we are a target. Right? We are a target when we are, are by ourselves. There's too many components of the challenges that we can't see when we are alone. Ecclesiastes 4, 9 to 10 and 12 reads, Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them. Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. The writer of Ecclesiastes says one is in danger because when he needs help, there's nobody there to help him. Two, now you have somebody there to help you. And it says three, three strands is not quickly broken. This reminded that, that we need to be around other guys on the journey that we are on. And not do, only do we need to be around them, we need to be in close proximity. We need to be connected to them so that they are close enough and connected to us so that they can experience life with us, so they can experience the challenges that we might be facing even before we might face them. This reminds me of, of, um, of something that we did many times when I was on the SWAT team. Every year we would train in rappelling. Now I told you I didn't like to climb because I don't like to go up. Rappelling, you don't have to go up, you just have to go down. And when you're 6'6 six, six and 235 pounds, like I said, going down on a rope is a lot easier than going up. Now when you rappel, for those of you that have never done that, you are fastened to something above you, right? You are fastened to something above you and there's a rope that you are holding on to. Your top hands refer to your guide hand, and you have a hand that's behind you uh, that's called your break hand. Now you are connected to something below you. In this case, you are connected to another person. I am on repel, I am repelling. The person that's below me is on belay. They are belaying me. They're connected to me. And when I'm getting ready to make that change from being connected to rope to actually going down and going down um, the edge of whatever I'm on, I'm going to call down to them and I'm going to yell on repel. And I'm going to wait for their response. Their response is on belay. They are watching me and they are paying close attention and they know that when I'm on rappel, I'm about to come over the edge. So they need to tense up that rope. They need to provide tension on that rope because now I'm fixed to them. And so long as there's tension on that rope, they can protect me. So I have them visually watching me, but I also have them physically connected to me because they can feel when I'm in trouble. Now, in most cases, based on my guide hand and my break hand, I won't need their help. 
There could be circumstances that whatever is going on with me can be so significant that they have to take control, that they have to tighten up that rope so much that they become my break. But they can only do that if they're paying attention to me and they're connected to me. There's plenty of us that have men in our lives that we call friends, that we text, that we hang out with every now and then, but they are not in close enough proximity where they can see us and they are not connected to us in a way that they could feel the tension on our lives and have the capability of coming in and creating some stability for us. We gotta have gear and we gotta have a guy. And then third is my God, is my God. I said earlier that one of the most important things when we have that assurance of the size of God compared to the size of the mountain, that's just appreciating who our God is and appreciating how, how amazing our God is and realizing that he is the creator of the heavens and earth and that he is the alpha and he's omega and that he has created everything, even the circumstances that we are in even the challenging circumstances that we are in. We just finished a five-week study called You Are Here, and what Pastor Kenny reminded us week after week after week, regardless of where you are, God is still in control, and God has a plan for your life, and we are still called to be God's man and to be the ambassadors of God, regardless of where we are. And to constantly reminding us and remind ourselves who God is. Isaiah 40, 15 to 17 says, Surely the nations are like a drop in the bucket. They are regarded as dust on the scales. He weighs the islands as though they are fine dust. Lebanon is not sufficient for altar fires, nor its animals enough for burnt offerings. Before him and all nations are nothing. They are regarded to him as, as worthless and less than nothing. Compared to God, everything in this picture, it says the nations are a drop in the bucket, that islands are like dust. That is comparing everything else to our God. That is comparing everything else to our God. And when we can be reminded of, of exactly what God is and allow God to do the things in our life that he's going to do, there is great peace in that. It's just like that first couple of scriptures, those first couple of verses in Psalm 121, where he says, where does my help come from? It comes from the maker of heaven and earth. As I stare up at this challenge in my life, I'm reminded that this circumstance was created by the creator of this universe, and it was created for me. It was, it was designed for me specifically to, to form me and to shape me in the man that I'm called to be. So we are on a journey, or we are going to be on a journey guaranteed. And we want to be men that, that can climb the journey. In the last highlighted section here, if you have the notes in front of you, it says climb or move the mountain. We were promised in the scripture of the capability we have when we have the right faith, when we have the right prayer life and when we're living out our lives as we were designed to live them out. Mark 11, 25 says, embrace this good life. Really embrace it and nothing will be too much for you. This mountain, for instance, just say, go jump in the lake. No shuffling or shilly-shallying. 
It's as good as done. That's why I urge you to pray for absolutely everything, ranging from small to large. Include everything as you embrace this God life, and you'll get God's everything. And when you assume the posture of prayer, remember that it's not all asking. If you have anything against someone, forgive them. Only then will your heavenly Father be inclined to also wipe your slate with clean sins. So we're on a journey. And this passage reminds us we have assurance. We have assurance of the size of God. We have assurance of, of the, the, the security of God. We have assurance of, of the shelter of God. We have this assurance that we are going to, to make it safely. And as we're on that journey, we need our gear, we need our guy, and we need to, to let God be our God. Would you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for the reminder of this passage that there is assurance of the journey that we are on. I pray that the men that are listening right now, as they look up at this journey and they're overwhelmed with it, Lord, they would be reminded that these circumstances in their life, there's a creator behind it. There's a creator that overwhelms the size of that mountain, that created that mountain, and it was designed for them to refine them and to be the men they are called to be, Lord. And we thank you for the constant assurance that you provide with us, Lord. We love you. Amen. Thanks, fellas. Have a great day.